0: Log Talk Radio.
1: let me know what a great job they're doing because everybody in this program is in the program. Uh, they got here by volunteering. I mean, they've taken uh, the time out of, out of their life. And usually it's not uh, a small amount of time. And I don't know anybody that has, uh, that has 25 hours in their day or 26 hours in their day, which means they're, they're taking this time out of their already established, uh, uh, there are established patterns of life, and it's not that easy a lot of times. And yet, because we are, there's thousands of us dedicated to uh, working with the Appleseed Project, and uh, they really appreciate it when you let them know that you notice what they're doing. Because nobody's getting paid for this. Whether everybody's everybody's doing it out of kindness of their heart, or because they feel a responsibility uh, to spread the word, to spread the the message. Uh, of Appleseed, and uh, and like I said, nobody's getting paid, but that doesn't mean that they don't want to hear you say uh, that they're doing a good job, because at Appleseed, we're awfully good about squeezing the last uh, the last drop of blood out of each and every person that works for us, and uh, this isn't because we're being, we have any intentions of being cruel, it's because we're not a uh, we're not a social organization, we we have a legitimate and serious mission that we're working on, and and we don't know how much time we have to get this mission accomplished. Now, I, I can I, I can tell you in my estimate, it's not a whole lot of time. I don't see how we can keep heading down the path that we're heading on, and doing the things that we're doing uh, as a nation and expecting it to keep going like it's going. I, I just don't see it happening. So we're working with the, a time limit, and uh, our mission is a very important one. So we're not trying to 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 ride these volunteers into the ground. Uh, first of all, we're not trying to do that in the first place, but it, it would appear that we're trying to ride folks into the ground. But we're not doing it uh, for any other reason than then we don't feel that there's a whole lot of time left for us to accomplish our mission. And uh, and it sure feels good to to know that somebody notices that you're doing your job. And uh, so you can call in at three four seven three zero eight eight seven nine zero and let us know. I wanna tell you this. Uh, I'll start the I'll start the uh, the process off with with thanking Sam Damewood uh, Sam Damewood is the works with me on the radio show he has since uh, since after about the first year, year and a half I, I think he came on and he's, he's there every Thursday night just like I am and uh, and he spends the same uh, two hours a week uh, doing the show that uh, uh that's what is that? That's a uh, hundred and hundred and ten hours uh, plus a year. That's uh, that's uh, two and a half uh, the equivalent of two and a half work weeks, solid work weeks, and uh, and he does a great job of it. And uh, he won't be on tonight with me because Sam's father died. Uh, uh, a few hours ago and uh, he's with his family so uh if you know Sam uh, uh then if you know Sam then you know how to get a hold of him all right and you can uh, you can send him a message or or whatever uh, to send your condolences uh, even if you don't know Sam please keep him in your prayers tonight because uh losing a loved one is not an easy thing. All right. So, if you uh, if you have someone that uh, you would like to acknowledge on the air, then we'd be glad to have you do that. And uh, if you are also if you're trying to get some type of commercial venture going, or it's already going, and you want to share it with your Appleseed brothers and sisters, then I welcome you to do that, and we'll give you a few seconds on the air to uh, to do that. We'd like to thank up Poker Face. Uh, Paul and the other guys at Poker Face, the band Poker Face, uh, have given us the music that we use every week to uh, to start the show off. And uh, they're a fine group of guys, and they have their own ideas about stuff. Obviously, uh, some of them might be a little bit different, but that's uh, that's them. And uh, and we appreciate them letting us use the the music. If you want to see, listen to more of their music, if you want to see what they what they have, you can reach them at uh, pokerface.com. All right. And if you can decide to grab some music from them, uh, and you heard about it here on the show, be sure and let them know that uh, that that's how you heard about it. All right. That way they know that uh, that we're supporting them. We got. Uh, uh, Blue Feather I was thought, some of the New Mexico instructors. Who they're not just they're not just fine, outstanding uh, New Mexican instructors, which they both are. They're not just uh, uh, fine uh, instructors; they are also makers and purveyors of handmade soap. And uh, if you'd like to get some handmade soap from them, you can do so by go- googling uh, uh, Blue Feather. Soap, and uh, that will take you to the website, and uh, you'll get some fantastic handmade soap from them. There's uh, uh, who else is there? There's uh, there's several folks that uh, uh, that are uh, trying to get projects off the ground. In uh, in a commercial venture, and if you are one of those folks, then you'd like us to uh, to mention you on the show, we'd be glad to do so. And if you're one of the people that are listening and you hear about these people and you need some product or service that they're offering, then then get it get it from your uh, Appleseed brothers and sisters. All right, uh, we'd like to support our our Appleseed brothers and sisters, and uh, if you can do so by getting a product that you're already looking for then uh then please do so. <clears throat> Alright, uh the number once again is three four seven three zero eight eight seven nine zero. And I want to thank uh, all of you guys that are listening to this show, downloading the show, either listening live or uh, or getting it in the archives, uh, because uh if you look at the popular shows at Block Talk Radio, you know there's a list of popular shows. If you look at the category that we fit into, and the reason that we're in politics conservative, because that was really the only uh, that was the only category that seemed close to what we do. We don't speak about politics here on the Rifleman Radio Show, other than uh, the, the politics of 235 years ago, uh, but we're not against it either. I mean, if, you, if there's some politician that wants to come on the radio show. Uh, and uh and speak to the folks here, they're welcome to. We're not endorsing anybody, but that doesn't stop us from uh from letting them get their message out. And you can do the same thing at AppleSeed. You can invite politicians to Apple and they can even talk there. Uh as long as uh as long as the folks attending and listening are aware of the fact that you're that you no know, it's not an endorsement by them. I have uh folks come to Apple Teeth, uh fairly often and uh, uh, not politicians, but to other folks like uh, oh, NRA or Texas State Rifle Association or folks like that to come and speak uh, at Appleseed. And then the way I do it is we'll have the Appleseed, you know, Saturday to Sunday. We'll have the Appleseed. We'll do the uh, – we'll uh, shut it off for the day. And then before uh, uh, before everybody walks off, I'll say, look, this is the end of the Appleseed uh project portion of the day, Uh, but before you leave, if you'd care to stay and listen to uh, so-and-so from the Texas State Rifle Association, then he'd like to say a few words. All right? Uh, And uh, as long as you make sure that you're not uh, doing something that's endorsing whoever it is, then then you're good to go. All right? Anyway, uh, the uh, the folks, the, the politics conservative. If you look at the blog talk uh, popular shows, you'll see that we're always right up there at the top. And I want to thank you guys for for doing that. The the listenership has grown pretty large over the years, and uh, and we're now getting uh, three to five thousand downloads a week. Uh, which, is not, uh, which is not a small number of downloads. So thanks to everybody that listens. <clears throat> All right, we're going to get into the to the, uh, the body of the show here in just a second. And you can still call in. Uh, even during the show, you're welcome to still call in and, uh, and give your thanks. And uh, once again, the number for that is 347-308-8790. And if you don't see me in the chat, it's, because, uh, uh, once again, uh, I'm still having uh, difficulties with viewing that. And uh, and I have since the very beginning. And I'm constantly working with the uh, BTR folks uh, to get it fixed. And sometimes it's fixed and sometimes it's not. And I was one of the knots. all right? If you've got something to say, just go ahead and call in and uh, we'll get you on the air. Three, four, seven... <clears> 3088790 Now uh uh the uh, show tonight is dedicated to a lot of the uh, a lot of the the things that that we talk about during an Apple Seed project that uh that are are some of the the, the smaller things well, they're immensely important, right? Uh, I'm talking about uh, uh, like talking targets, uh, rifleman's bubble, the uh, uh, dry firing, uh, and uh, several other things uh, like this. So, we'll just go ahead and and get started in this. When you're talking to the uh, the folks at an event or if you're one of the guys that's uh, attending the event and listening, then what you're going to hear in early, and it should be early on, is you should introduce the concept of talking targets uh, as early as possible. Uh, I try and do that uh, right after they have, uh, they fire the red coats and they fire their first uh shot group after the red coats. then I introduced the concept of talking targets, and uh, the reason that this is so important is that uh, the folks need to understand, and you as an instructor will understand, that there are many things that you can look at the, the attendee, look at the shooter. And see what they're doing, either right or wrong. Uh, you can look at the position of their body. You can look at their uh, trigger finger. You can see whether it's dragging wood or if it's curled right. If it's the placement of the finger on the trigger is correct. You can see if their uh, support arm, is, uh, their elbow is directly under the rifle, as far as under the rifle as possible. Uh, you can get down on the mat with them and get your face where you can see their eyes and you should be able to see whether they're blinking or not all right and uh, there are uh, there are many things that you can see that you, know, you can observe what they're doing and uh, and make corrections or suggestions about it <clears throat> but there are a lot of things that you can't see that you don't that, that you won't be able to tell what that they're doing or not doing and for them they need to understand this concept because they're going to be here with, uh, with you learning to shoot uh, for two days. But then they're going to be going to the range by themselves uh, for the majority of the rest of the time. And they need to understand the concept of talking targets. And that means that <clears throat> every time you fire around, you should never go down range without gathering data and then using that data to understand and correct problems or to uh, to help you uh, on your next shot. If you don't come back from that target line with data, then that round was a waste, a complete waste. So once they attend an apple feed, for the minute you introduce talking targets on for the rest of their shooting lives, they should understand that they never, ever go down to the target Without gathering data, they they need to understand that that they have to they have to take their what they just did when they fired the shot. They have to take what they did. This is for them, for the shooter. They have to take the things that they did, what they know that they did, how they were breathing, uh, how it felt when they were making the shot how it felt when they were doing a trigger pull uh etc and and then make that up with the holes in the paper. Uh because they're the only people that can do that. You can do it. Like I said, you can you can observe them, you can observe the rise right and fall of their uh uh of their chest to see if they're actually pausing at their respiratory pause or if they're running right through it during the shot, but you can't tell a lot of the things that were in their mind, or or things that they were doing that you can't see, uh, and they need to be able to, to to match up what they were doing with the effect it had on the target. And now you can also do this with the things that you do see. If you observe them, uh, uh, if you observe the chest continuing to move. Uh, while they're in their course of fire and they're firing through their respiratory pause, then you should be able to go down there with them and look at the target and see what effect that had on the target so that you will know what it looks like, use the instructor, you will know what it looks like when a person shoots through their respiratory pause. You should be able to look and see what it looks like when they do that. If you're watching a person and they make an adjustment uh, in the middle of their course of fire, if they fire one round, two rounds, and they move the elbow uh, or they adjust the sling or something like that and then fire the next three rounds, then you should go down there with them, make a, make a, a conscious decision to go down there with that shooter. But when you get to the target, <clears throat> you can look and see what effect it had on the target. Because you're teaching them, but you're also teaching yourself
2: every time you go
1: down to the target line uh as a shooter or as an instructor, you should never be going down there without coming back with some data. so the shooters they need to come back with the with an understanding of what they did and how it affected the impact of the round down range, but you, as the instructor need to do the same thing. there's nothing. There's nothing, no better way to learn than to observe uh, a shooter, observe what they're doing, and then going down and looking at the target. Because if you're sitting there watching and you go, all right, I'm watching this guy, I'm guaranteeing you, he is not uh, making a respiratory pause. He's not making a respiratory pause. He's shooting through his uh, respiratory pause. And then you go down to the target, and you see that indeed, there is uh, a vertical line, you know, it's just it's rocking up and down with their with their breathing, a vertical line of holes in the target, uh, because they're shooting through their respiratory cycle. So you're teaching yourself how to how to spot what uh effect uh some of the shooters' actions have on the impact of their round down range. Now you can also uh you can watch what happens when the shooter, uh, when they're, uh, trigger elbow, when if they're firing, uh, uh, a series of rounds and you watch it every time they're shooting, that elbow slides a little bit farther out on with, with recoil every time. And you get down there and you see a diagonal line, if they're a right handed shooter, you see a diagonal line going from, uh, high left to low right. Then you can, you can match up what was going on, what you saw going on with the effect that it had on the target downrange. This helps you as an instructor to be able to diagnose uh, without watching a shooter to to go downrange and look at a target and diagnose and see what they're doing. At first, uh, for everybody, for the instructors, and for the attendees, talking target seems a bit nebulous. You know, it seems a bit uh, uh, voodoo uh, Because even though uh, you have that really great diagram that uh, Fred sends out uh, on uh, uh, target analysis, uh, it's still a bit confusing. Because if you look, it has about uh, 20 or so different patterns, you know, with cause and effect. So for you to get down there and look at the targets, there's a whole different, uh, a a whole, uh, uh, there's a great many things that can be causing uh, whatever is happening on the targets. So it's helping you to learn. And listen, I'm going to tell you too, one of the things I tell the new instructors is wherever the students are, that's where you are. If the students are downrange of the target line, that's where you are. That means every instructor, other than the one instructor whose job it is uh, to keep the line safe. Okay? One instructor is going to be given the job, as usual, the line boss uh, of standing on the line where the rifles are and making sure that uh, that the rifles remain in their safe condition. Other than that, all the rest of the instructors Go down range, and they're all looking at the targets. They're all speaking to the shooters, and they're diagnosing the targets. And uh, I'll tell you another thing too is that, for, especially for their the new instructors, is you don't have to be uh, you don't have to be an expert in target analysis, but you do need to use some common sense when you're doing it. When you look at your target and you say, all right, here's what I think that you're doing, uh, if you look at uh, the target and you see one of the easy ones, like uh, the elbow slipping or the or, or the uh, breathing through their uh, respiratory cycle, and you see either a straight up and down line or a slanted uh, high left to low right line or something like that, those are easy ones to diagnose. But there's a lot of times that it's very hard to diagnose what's going on. So you take your best common sense judgment and you tell them, I, here's what I think is going on. And you tell them uh, what you think they need to do to correct the problem. Then when they get back on the line and they're shooting, you watch them to make sure they're doing what you asked them to do. Then you go down range on that specific target and see what effect uh, your advice had. And if it was If you were dead on, great. Uh, If it didn't change, then you're going to have to try something else. But don't be afraid of making a suggestion. But once you've made a suggestion, make sure that you follow through with watching them to see that they do what you ask them to do, and then by going down and see what effect your advice had on their group, all right? (laughs) Because, like I said, you're teaching... You're teaching the shooter to diagnose uh, what effect his actions on the firing line had on the impact of his round downrange, but you've got to learn this, too, and that means you've got to go downrange every single time they, uh, the shooters go downrange. You look at their targets. You give them your best common sense uh, uh, diagnosis of it, and then you come back and see how it works. Now, <clears throat> The other thing is, is whenever you speak to the shooters about talking targets and you explain it to them, one of the things you need to do is tell them that, uh, that from that time on, when they get down, when they get through shooting, they go down to look at their targets, that they need to have, uh, uh, they need to have a story ready to explain their shot group. They need I mean uh, they need to have a story, not a story like uh I don't know the wind blew something in my eye or the dog ate my my homework. They got to have a they have to have an explanation for uh their shot group. You want them to start immediately diagnosing their shot groups. That includes calling the shot. When you go down there and you take a look at their target and you see <clears throat> Uh, you see four rounds in the black and one round that's uh, an inch high and two inches to the right. Then you need to ask them which shot that was. Which shot is this one that this that's this far out? What's the explanation of it? And if they can't tell you what the explanation of that, uh, that shot was, if they can't tell you which shot it was and uh, what happened, then then there's a good chance they're not calling their shots or that they're blinking uh, something because they should, if you have a uh, one inch high, two inch to the right uh, round, it's that far out of the rest of the group, they should be able to, they should be able to know that that one is going to be down there before they ever get down there. right. So make sure that they are calling their shots and, uh, and that they have a an explanation ready for you when you get down to the targets. And You, you don't tell them at first. You don't say, here's what I think. When you get down there and you look at the targets, you take a look at the target, and you look at them, and you say, okay, tell me what's going on here. And that causes them to start thinking about what could have caused uh, their group to be split in half or, Uh, the one round to be so far away from the others. It makes them start thinking about it and start realizing that their effects on the line, uh, I mean, their actions on the line have an effect on the impact of the rounds downrange. If you get down there and there are, uh, there's two rounds uh, in one location and then there's a split over and then three more rounds, then they should be able to tell you uh, what happened on the line? If you're watching them, you should be able. To, you should have seen what happened on the line. You can match it up to down there. If they say, "Yeah, I knew, I knew it was going to be like this because I fired two rounds," and uh, and then I felt like my sling wasn't tight enough, so I tightened it up a bit, or or I wasn't. I, I fired two rounds and then I, I tried to. I was trying to adjust myself to get more comfortable or something. <clears> then <throat> they're starting to understand that if I. If I make a move, if I if I do something to break my possession, that's going to affect my group downrange. And uh, you should be able to be watching them on the line too and see the same thing. You should be able to be watching the shooters. And if you see somebody fire a couple of rounds and then and then make an adjustment and then fire three more, which is one of the most common things that I see on the line, like somebody firing one round, two rounds, and then and then like, like making an adjustment or uh, picking their taking their breathing their cheek weld and raising it up above the rifle as if they're trying to look downrange and see the impact of the rounds. That's one of the most common things I see. One of the things that I like did on every single round when I first started shooting. Bang, fire I round pick my head up off the rifle and look down range to see where the round hit and then going back down. So I'm breaking my position every time. Well <clears throat> that's something that's going to uh alter the impact of your round-down range. So make sure that you're explaining talking targets to them early on. Get them started on diagnosing, uh, uh, on analyzing their groups when they go down to the line every single time. And then make sure that you are observing the attendees, seeing what they're doing on the line, so that once, they, once you're watching them on the line, and they get through the course of fire. You you should be able to look at them and say, okay, I got kind of got kind of an idea of what I'm going to see when I go down range on this person's target. Because I saw them fire two rounds, and then I saw them uh, pick up their trigger elbow and move it uh, just a little bit out, and then put pressure back down on and finish their group. So I'm probably going to see two rounds in one place and three rounds in the other. Then get down there and see what effect it had. That way, that way when you're looking at. Uh, at shooter's targets and so when you didn't observe them on the line but you're looking at the targets, you start building inside yourself a bank of knowledge on what can uh what uh different things on the line that uh, folks do uh can look like as far as uh, the impact of the round down range. <clears throat> All right. Uh, if you got uh if you're if you're calling in, be patient with me because uh, I'm I'm checking the the switchboard, but not as often as I should be.
2: And make sure that if
1: you have something to say, if you want to add to the conversation, you're welcome to do so. If you have some more information about uh, uh, talking targets or something like this, and you want to add it into the discussion, then please, by all means, do so. Uh, the number is three four seven. 308-8790, zero. Three four seven three zero eight eight seven nine zero. All
0: right. Uh all right,
1: that's uh that's talking targets. And uh, and usually I tell folks, you know, the reason that the reason that we're we call it talking targets is because Your target has information that it wants to divulge to you. It has information that it wants to tell you. All you need to do is learn how to speak target ease. And I also tell the folks uh, that their mothers and fathers may lie to them. Their brothers and sisters may lie to them. Their doctors and lawyers may lie to them. But the one the one thing they can always count on to tell them the truth is their target. If, uh, if you were breathing through your your uh, uh, respiratory cycle while you're making the shot and you look at your, your target and you say, hey, target, listen, I think I was doing a fine job. I think I was doing it just right. What do you think? Uh, and the target's going to tell you, look, man, I'd like to help you out, but I'm telling you. And I've got to tell you the truth, man. You weren't. You weren't uh, stopping at your respiratory pause. You were shooting right through it. Take a look at me and see. See that line up and down? Uh, I'm your friend, and that's why I'm telling you this. So your target will never lie to you. Okay. And uh, uh, as I said... uh, We've got, uh, let see if, okay, the chat finally opened up for me. So I can, uh, I can read. If you have something you want to say, if you have something that, uh, that uh, you want me to know or something, you can put it in the chat, all right? That way I can see it. Uh, and... Uh, if you uh, if you have something that you want to add to the uh, the discussion, then we're more than happy to uh, more than happy to get you on here. All right. All right. Best talking targets. Uh, all right. Uh, the next thing that I want to talk to you about is ball and dummy. And the uh, reason it's called ball and dummy, uh, obviously for for you guys that are shooters, you all know this. Uh, if you're not familiar with shooting, it's called ball and dummy because uh, you're going to be going through a series of exercises where you're where you're going through the process of firing your rifle by executing the shot by these six steps and. You'll be working in pairs, and you'll either be receiving a live round or a dummy round, a non-firing round, all right? And the purpose of this is uh, to help you uh, discover and iron out uh, any glitches you have in your process. Now, I don't care how great a shooter you are, how long you've been shooting. Everybody develops bad habits going in. Everybody will do something you'll grab you'll you'll start picking up a flinch or a uh triggered jerk or a blink or something. You'll start picking it up and ball and dummy is the best way to detect and clear up these glitches <clears throat> so it doesn't matter how how great a shot you are or how much how great you've been doing it uh. Ball and dummy is still a great technique for you to uh, to keep your your shooting skills clean. Now, I know a lot of folks they're not uh, excited about ball and dummy and about uh, running it through their through their shoot because it always seems like, at least to me, anyway, it always seems like. That it is a break in the the learning process. It's a break in uh, in the speed of your of your show that you're running. Right, you're trying, you're doing your best to get these guys up to speed. You have a, a limited amount of time, and here comes this ball of dummy stuff that slows you back down to a crawl. And and it does, but at the same time. Uh, you're doing this not just not just for you as the instructor to help uh clean up what's going on right then and there. This is no different than any of the other techniques uh or skills that you're teaching them. You're teaching them how to do ball and dummy so that they can do it on their own later or, you know, with a with a friend later. You're not uh you're not just doing it for you to try and fix every glitch that they have. Uh, you're teaching it to them so that they can uh, can understand the drill and that they can understand the concepts of it and they can use it later. So it doesn't have to be uh, it doesn't have to be a longer involved thing. All right, you can do the the whole ball and dummy in as little as fifteen minutes, uh, or they can use uh, thirty minutes. I try and keep it between twenty and thirty minutes because. Uh, because I want them to have plenty of time to go through it, and I want to make sure that I have plenty of time to, to grab some of the folks that I've already determined, that I've already seen to have some glitches, and and work with them, uh, along with the coach that's working with them, work with them too. So uh, I know that a lot of folks don't like the ball and dummy, but there's a real good reason for it, right? there's certainly no better technique for showing somebody that they have a problem that they would swear that they didn't have than to uh, hand them back their rifle or to tap them and say go, and they go through the six steps, and when they squeeze that trigger, there's no squeeze, it's a yank, and that they, you can look at the front sights, and the front sights move uh, four inches up and to the right. There's no way they cannot notice that. And you look at them; they got a sheepish grin. And they go, uh, 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 uh. and you go, "Do you, you see that? Yeah. All right. There, there is no denying that. You can tell them a hundred times that they've got a, that they got a flinch or a buck or a jerk or they got a whatever, and they're not going to understand it. They're not going to, they're not going to understand it because it's masked by the recoil. <clears throat> when you're doing ball and dummy, it's not. So what I try to do is uh, is make sure that you have. Uh, most of the time, it's not too hard. You can just pair them up, side by side shooters. You can pair them up. If you got a couple of guys that are brand new, or if you have two kids side by side, or something like that, or a brand two brand new shooters, and try not to try not to have both of them, if possible. You can usually grab somebody else who has a little bit more skill. And, and I'm not talking about that they're not smart enough to run the drill. I'm talking about if they're not familiar with a rifle or something like that. <clears throat> uh, do your, use your best confidence and judgment to pair up the shooter's for ball and dummy. You have one uh, who is a shooter and one who is a coach, and then those will reverse after you're uh, your half the, the drill time limit. And then that person will be the shooter and the other person will be the coach. <clears throat> and this will be done uh, – uh, by getting everybody to the uh, everybody in the the right order, getting them all set up, and then calling that the line is now hot, and they can begin shooting uh, when they're ready. And and then you'll have the folks uh, shooting at their own speed. And what usually happens is you'll have the I tell them I go look. A lot of you folks are going to be able to listen. And you'll be able to hear if uh, a round is being cycled in there or not, or you'll be able to tell uh, by whatever method. Uh, it, it, if you can, you can tell if there's a real live round being put into the magazine or being cycled for you, or whatever. It doesn't matter. I tell them, don't try, try do everything possible not to cheat. Do everything possible not to know if it's a live round or a dummy round, because the only person you're cheating is yourself. All right. So, have them do whatever whatever they need to do look away uh hum whatever they need to do uh, in order for them not to know that uh that their coach is putting in a live round or a dummy round <clears throat> and then uh and then watch them as they go through it. you know if I'm a coach, then sometimes i'll uh you know I'll take them round and slap it around inside the uh the the chamber, you know, just uh, you know, tap it back and forth so it sounds like there's a live round going in there. Uh anything because uh sometimes the, the shooter will hear that and he'll I'll see the look on his face, like he knows it's a live round and then whenever he yanks on that trigger and the, the the barrel moves and I look at him and I say, You thought I'd really put a live one in there, didn't you? And he goes, Yeah. It sounded just like you put one in there. <clears throat> I say, Well try not to listen. Try not to listen. You're only cheating yourself. <clears throat> uh, and then one of the other things is usually uh, you can put it in any order. You know, right? when you're the coach, you can put it in, in any order. Usually what I try and do is uh, right off the bat, I'm going to start them off with a live round, okay, because then whatever whatever glitches they have, that will that goes a long way towards, towards firing those glitches up. They got a flincher or a buck or a jerk, and you put that live round there, bang it goes off and there and they're hyped and ready for that now and they'll they'll usually uh, display uh whatever they have on that next round and then you tell them they have to earn a live round they have to earn a live round i mean you they, got they have to go through the six steps and they have to live round by not having any glitches. Once they don't, then you put that live round back in and you start it up again. You fire up those things again. Now, the way that they're doing this, the way that you you fire every round, uh, ball or dummy, as a shooter, you're going to be doing it just like you would be if, if every round were a live round. That means even for the, uh, the dummy rounds, you should still be calling your shot uh, I have the coaches ask the person, where was that? What was your shot? And the shooter should be able to tell them right then and there. They used to call their shot. Well, uh, if it's a live round or a uh, or a dummy, whenever the trigger is squeezed and you hear the firing thing go forward or you hear the uh, uh, recoil report, then you as the a coach ask them, where was it? Where was your shot? High right, uh, low left dead on, that gets them in the habit of calling every shot. Now, maybe they're not, maybe they're they're just scamming you and just telling you whatever they want. doesn't matter because it's making them think about it every single time. It's making them think that they got to have an answer ready every single time they squeeze that trigger. Then they better have an answer ready with where their shot went. So it's making them think about calling the shot, and by thinking of calling the shot, they're going to eventually learn to call the shot. You as a coach, if you're watching the person, you've got to be watching uh, all aspects of uh, of their technique in, in uh, firing the shot. That means you're watching the rise and fall of their chest. Uh, before they even start, you're looking at their position to see if their position is correct. Then you're watching the rise and fall of their chest. You're watching to see if they're blinking. You're watching to see if they're jerking or dragging wood. Anything and everything that they're doing, you're watching to see uh, how they're doing it. And you, as a as a coach, you should be hard on that on that shooter. You should be hard on them. Uh, if they do something that's incorrect, some part of their technique is incorrect. You call them on it. Okay. Don't uh, don't be the nice coach and say, well, you know, I kind of saw some flinch there, but dang, this guy's a nice guy. He's my buddy, I don't want to say anything because and you're cheating that person or you're thinking, man, if I say anything, he's going to be hard on me when it's my turn. Good. Good. That's what you want. You want to be hard on him. You want to be so hard on him that, that he says, dang it, when it's my turn to coach, I'm going to be hard as hell on this person. You want to be hard on them, and you want them to be hard on you, all right? You want them to search out every single little tiny fleck of a problem so that you can correct it. So you, as a coach, uh, are watching uh, everything that you're looking for, every part of the the process to see if they're – uh, firing at their respiratory paws to see if they are uh, yanking the trigger, if they got a jerk going in there. You're seeing if they're blinking by looking at their face. And let me tell you, uh, let me tell you to make sure, if you're the coach, you, you better be wearing your shooting glasses. If you're going to have your face that close to somebody's action, you better be wearing your shooting glasses, because if that rifle takes that particular time to come apart, Uh, there's no fixing it, right? There's no fixing it for your eyes. Make sure you got your your glasses on. You're watching them to see if they're blinking, to see if they're jerking, see if they're flinching. You, You can even watch and see if they're grimacing. If they're grimacing when they take the shot. That means, you know what I'm talking about, when you grit your teeth together and you kind of grimace, which just a person grimacing, you can be looking at them from behind, and their grimace will hardly look like anything. But I guarantee you, if you fire up those facial muscles, those exact muscles that it takes to grimace are the ones that are in contact with the rifle when you have a proper cheek weld. If you grimace, you're going to move the rifle. And if you move the rifle while you're shooting, I guarantee you it's going to impact the, the uh, It's going to affect the impact of the round round down range. So make sure that they're not grimacing, that that their chest is not moving. You're you're looking for every single thing. They're not dragging wood. Every single thing. And when they finally do it right, you're going to put a live round in and start them over again. All right. Uh, All right. let me get the number out again. Uh, The call-in number is 347-308-8790. (coughs) 347-308-8790. All right. Ball and dummy. It's an important part of the apple seed. It's a required part, guys, so... There's no getting around it. This is an optional thing. You've got to have a ball and dummy at every event. All right. I usually try and do it fairly early on because it's a good way to uh to get folks to understand what they're doing early on and to understand uh, the effect that it has if they yank on the trigger, if they grimace, or if they uh uh if they're bucking, which used to be one of my favorites, They used to always do that. My personality lent itself toward bucking. Bucking is when
2: <clears throat> when you're
1: anticipating the recoil and instead of letting the recoil hit you, you're saying, I, I I'm I'm uh, I'm not gonna sit here uh pass let me and take this recoil. I'm going after it. I'm pushing into the recoil. So that's what I did, and you buck into your rifle. You're gonna be shooting low, right? So if you're moving your body forward to buck your elbows stay in place, I mean you're depressing the barrel the muzzle uh whenever your body moves forward, so your rounds are gonna be going low and so that's one one of the things you can look at uh when you're doing talking targets. Why are this guy's rounds? Why do I see uh, uh some of them going low? Take a look at him see if he's bucking see if he's pushing pushing forward uh at the the moment of firing. <coughs> All right. Like I said, we've got uh, our calling number is 347-308-8790. The reason I have the calling number, the calling line, is so you guys can call in and uh, uh, and add to the conversation, right? I don't want this to be. Uh, I don't want you guys to be passive listeners. I want you to be. Uh, uh, I want you to be uh, active listeners. All right, so you can call in uh, uh, and uh, be part of the show, 347-308-8790. All right, one of the next things I want to talk about is prep time. We give the shooters prep time before each uh, course of firing, before each stage of firing. You know, we'll tell them, all right, your preparation period has begun. And uh, one of the things I tell instructors and the attendees also, I tell the instructors that the minute that we tell folks that they have prep time, that means that you, that each of the instructors, you should be down the line. You pick out somebody, you get down the line with them, and you help them prep. All right? You help them Get ready for the next course of fire. One of the things I hate to see, one of my pet peeves, is seeing instructors anywhere but on the line. You know, they're sitting back uh, in a group talking or having a smoke or whatever <clears throat> at any time, really, uh, other than if we're on a break, because uh, when, when the shooters are in prep, I'm with them on the line with the shooters uh, assisting in the prep. If you're a shooter, uh, one of my other pet peeves, if you're a shooter, is you wasting your prep time. All right, the whole reason you've got the prep time is because uh, we want you to prep. We want you to prep yourself uh, for the next course of fire. And uh, and shooters don't understand the the value of prep time. They should be using the prep time. <clears throat> well, first off, whenever you're you're the line boss. Every time you get through uh with uh, uh your instructions for the current course of fire, uh you tell them you should be giving them their uh prep, their round prep for the next course of fire. And certainly uh at least uh at the very least <clears throat> after the next ceasefire, right? Cease fire! Cease fire! Cease fire! Unloading clear. Uh, prep five, prep two and eight, whatever. So they can prep. But they should. You should be giving them giving them their round prep, uh, well in advance of their regular prep time. That way, they've already got their magazines prepped uh, for the next round, and they should be using their prep time as a rehearsal for the course of fire they're about to shoot. If you're getting ready to shoot. Uh, stage 1 then in your prep you should have everything ready to go just as if you are uh in the course of that that uh, stage of fire uh you should have your uh, mag in your pocket your hearing protection eye protection with you you should be uh standing uh uh, uh oriented at 90 degrees to the target uh, or whatever your uh whatever your your personal uh, set of degrees are, and you should be practicing rehearsing going through that course of fire. You should you be using that time to find your natural point of aim for standing, and then you should be practicing uh, your standing, your stage one course of fire technique. You should be practicing taking a shot, one shot, maybe two shots. And for me, uh, I don't break uh, my position, other than uh, I'll lean forward, and as I lean forward, I keep my eyes on the target. I never take my eyes off the target uh, during any of the courses of fire. Right? If you take your eyes off the court, your your target, then then when you look back up, you have to find your target. Everything you do takes time, even if it's only you know, one second or two seconds. You're still cheating yourself out of that. So I don't take my eyes off the target. That way. I lean forward just enough to take some of the, uh, the weight off of my uh, off my arms. I take two or three uh, uh, short, quick breaths, and then I bring the rifle back up into my line of sight onto the target. And then, as my target, as my rifle front sights, as they are rising into the target, I'm exhaling. As I'm exhaling, I'm beginning to put pressure on the trigger until. Whenever the, I reach my respiratory pause, right at that moment of my sights are crossing the bottom of the target. As soon as they touch the bottom of the target, I'm at my respiratory pause. I put just enough uh, pressure on the trigger so that once I cross the line, I only need a few extra grains of pressure in order to cause the rifle to fire, and then I repeat. All right? So that's what I'm practicing during my prep. Now, once I've achieved my natural point of aim during my prep, I don't move my feet again. All right. I don't move my feet. I keep them right where they are, and then I'm ready to go. Whenever he says you're prepped, tight, you're prepared, it ended. All I do is I lean forward, and so that uh, I'm resting my arms, and I'm at the beginning of what I would call my stage one uh, uh, physical uh, technique, and I'm waiting for him to call uh, fire. Now, uh, let's see. I'm gonna. It'll be. I'm going to cross out of the prep, but I'm going to put this in right here too. And that is, if you're a shooter, well, this is a, for the uh, for the instructors also. But if you're a shooter, you've been sitting there listening to the line boss call the uh, doing giving the line commands, and he gives them the same way every time, or at least he should. He's been giving the line commands the same way every time, all right? So you know how it's going to go. The cadence is going to be about the same every time. Regular, right? On the right are last, already on the fine line, prior. All right. So, in order for you to get uh, the amount of time that's allotted to you, in order for you to get it and use it, then you should you should know how he's going to call give the line command, and you should know th- there shouldn't be any reason that in stage one that's what I just gave you my my physical techniques for doing it. That my, my, uh, I shouldn't be, uh, married up to his line commands with my physical, uh, uh, techniques for stage one. That means as he's giving the line commands, ready on the right, I'm, I'm in, I'm already in my cycle to begin firing my first shot. Because as he's giving those commands, I've already got it timed up so that whenever he finally gives the fire command, my front sight is just crossing the bottom of the target. And it's in position so that the minute he says fire, all I have to do is put the last few grains of pressure on that trigger to cause it to fire. Now, you should be doing this in each step, in each stage. You can't get in stage two and three, of course, because those are specialties. But in stage one and stage four, there's no reason that that whenever the line boss gives the fire command, that there should be any more than uh, uh, yeah, there should be less than one second between his command of fire and the uh, first shots being fired downrange, right? You should be using every moment that's allotted to you uh during uh during these stages one and four two and three are, are different because you'll have to uh you have a transition in them so you you can't transition before he says it and you can't fire until you've reached your uh, uh your shooting position all right but in one and four, there should be no reason that you that uh that the first round going down range that all the rifles shouldn't be firing uh within 1 second of the fire command, right? Now you get to use every second of time. <clears throat> all right. <clears throat> That's in stage 1. In all of the stages, you should be going through in stage 2, the same thing. In stage 2, you should be rehearsing uh and this includes uh uh standing there with your rifle in uh uh in uh, preparation for transition and giving the uh, fire command in your head, going down into your seated position. As soon as you hit the seated position, the safety off, because guess what? You don't take the safety off and the rifle's not going to fire. You're going to keep sitting there squeezing it harder and harder and in your mind saying, what the heck? Why this is not, I'm not firing. What the heck? I'm not, safety. All right? While you're doing that, it was like tick, Tick tick tick. Okay, and uh, anytime that the shooters are put in a position where they are, where there is, uh, they're under time constraints. There's also there's always going to be that pressure on them, and and with pressure comes the ability to make mistakes. <clears throat> so make sure that uh, that you've explained the process to them, and that they are in fact rehearsing it. Okay. Uh, so you're gonna go from standing to seated. You're gonna take the safety off. You're gonna put the magazine in. Then you're going to work the action. That's another thing that people forget to do. They forget to work the action. And guess what? You can squeeze that trigger, and it's going to it's going to actually cause the uh, uh, the the hammer to hit the firing pin. But there's no round in there. That means you've got to break your position again, work the action, and start again. So you're going to go from standing to seated. Pop the safety off. Put the mag in. Work the action. Then you're going to uh, uh, get a quick natural point of aim. Make sure that uh, that you are that your natural point of aim is correct. You're going to begin firing. You're going to fire two rounds. Don't try and get a third round out of that two round magazine. Because, once again, you fire that, you you squeeze the trigger on the third round, you get a click, and you go, what happened? Malfunction, what happened? What happened? And then you go, oh, oh, magazine change. Tick, 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 tick. Make sure the shooters only, that they know, they're only going to get two rounds out of a two-round mag. They drop that mag, they pick up the other mag, insert it, and chamber a round, okay? So these are the things that you're practicing when you're in your prep, if you practice it, then even under the time constraint during the actual course of fire, you're going to be uh, more familiar with what you're getting ready to do, and you're less likely to have problems if you've practiced it, if you've rehearsed it, right? If you've rehearsed it and you just got through doing it, then you're going to be much more likely uh, to be able to go through the course of fire correctly than if you were just sitting there uh, twiddling your thumbs during the the prep and uh, and then begin your course of fire. All right. <clears throat> so the prep time is used. It, it, it's, it's everybody needs to use their prep time. Like I said, for me, it's a the pet peeve of mine to see folks uh, laying down. They got their heads down, or they got uh, or they're just sitting there blankly staring into space. In uh, and I always call out to everybody, don't waste your prep time. If I see somebody sitting there doing nothing, I'll walk over to them and say, let's go, don't waste your prep time. Don't waste it. Rehearse what you're about to do. And uh, and that even includes uh, making sure if you're in stage two or three and making sure that you've gotten down into your position, you've gotten into the seated position or the throne position, and that you have your magazines uh, uh, set correctly. They should be set where you don't have to look for them. When you're when you go in when you sit down or you go into the prone, you shouldn't even have to look at where they are. You should be having you should be able to keep your eye on the target the whole time. You should be able to know that just by moving your hand a couple of uh, uh a couple of degrees to the uh, right or left wherever you're however you're situated and putting your hand down you're gonna grab the magazine. It's gonna get it's gonna be placed into your hands with the uh with the ammunition oriented in the right way, the mags going to be oriented the right way is you can pick it up, pop it into the rifle, and work the action without looking at it, right? <clears throat> and this isn't gaming. I know a lot of people say, oh that sounds like it's gaming. That sounds like gaming. It's not gaming. Alright? If you're a rifleman, this is what you do wherever you are, for whatever reason you're using a rifle. Alright? <clears throat> If I'm, uh, if I'm hunting, uh, if I'm hog hunting, and I want to shoot uh, ten hogs with my uh, five-round magazine, then I don't want to have to look for uh, the magazine. If I take my eyes off that uh, uh, off that group of hogs and they scatter or they go behind a bush or whatever, uh, when I bring my eyes back up, I'm not going to know where they are. I want to keep my eyes on the target the whole time. I want to look. I'm going to, no matter what I'm doing, I want to be able to grab the magazine, if it's in my magazine pouch or if it's in my pocket or if it's situated on the ground. I've already situated them there on the ground. Or if I'm in a hunting blind and I've got a little ledge there, I orient them the right way on the ledge so I'll know how to grab them. It's not gaming. It's part of being a rifleman, all right, It's learning how to uh, use your rifle and your equipment to uh, the uh, utmost advantage to you for whatever you're doing, right? <clears throat> I don't want to take my eyes off the target. I just want to grab the magazine and put it in. If I'm looking at uh, that uh, that hog and I need to put another magazine in, I take my eyes off that hog and he goes behind the bush. I bring my eyes back up. What bush did he go behind? I don't know. Uh, what well, if he steps out on the other side of that bush with a rifle? Uh, I'm going to be in bad shape because I don't know where he is. And the other thing is that uh, a bush is not cover. Uh, My rifle will shoot through a bush. If I see the hog go behind a bush, I put a round in that bush, and I'm going to hit the hog, right? But I'm not going to be able to if I don't know where he went to because I took my eyes off him. So having your stuff set up is not gaming. Having your stuff set up correctly is part of being a rifleman. So you're going to do this as part of your prep. You're going to rehearse how to. Uh, and you're going to go through your course of fire. You're going to rehearse uh, the order you're going to shoot the the targets, and you're going to order you're going to rehearse the number of rounds uh, you put on your targets. <clears throat> and uh, and that way, when the fire command does come, you'll have just finished in your mind and physically, you'll just finish shooting that course of fire, so you're ready to do it again. All right, that's what your prep time is for. Now if you need to make adjustments to your sights or your rifle or something like that, then that's the other thing that your prep time is for is making whatever adjustments you need to make. Don't wait until uh until the line boss is called uh uh your preparation period has ended and then say, Okay, now I'm gonna make my adjustments, I'm gonna do such and such, I'm gonna do this or that hey wait, I'm not ready. Because we don't we don't wait. At apple see we don't there's no alibis we don't wait uh, the only thing that we would stop or or wait on is if there was a uh, a safety issue and the safety issues there are very few of them if you're if you if you're giving the commands you're about to give the command to fire and, and somebody's barrel falls off okay that's a safety issue a uh, safety issue is not hey i'm not ready or i don't i need to when not put another round in my rifle or something like that all right they just got to they have to catch up so make sure that uh, that the shooters know what their preparation period is for, and make sure that you, as an instructor, uh, are ensuring that they are making use of their preparation time, that they're making, uh, that they're doing everything that they're supposed to be doing uh, in their prep time. Uh, all right, i got, uh, I'm just now checking the the uh, switchboard. Let me bring the caller on. Area code 712-249, uh, you're on the air?
2: Yeah, how are you doing tonight? Okay, who's this? This is Mark. Hey, hey Mark, just... how's it going? Good, good. Good, what do you got for us? Nothing, just listening in. Just, just. Oh, you just listen. In there, yeah. Well,
1: where are you at? Where, are you, a, are you part of the
2: program? Are you an instructor? No, no. I just, I just listen in every Thursday night. Yep. Yep. For a long time. Yep. Okay. And where are you at? What part of the country? I'm in Wyoming. Wyoming. Wyoming.
1: Yep. What part of Wyoming? Casper. Ah. That's a nice place. You know, when I was a kid, I, I spent a lot of time in Wyoming uh, in a place Wyoming. called uh, uh, Jackson's Hole. And yep, the right uh,
2: words, yeah.
1: It was, it was a
2: gorgeous
1: part of the state, and uh, and back then it was just a little tiny, tiny town. Uh, now it's pretty big, and. And yeah, all the,
2: all the big money, big yeah. money took yeah. it over.
1: Yep, yeah. yep. Yeah. So I remember back then it was a great place. I I, I always wished that I would have grown up there as a boy because we would spend our days. Uh, you know, if I think I was ten or eleven years old, but we spend our days going from uh, completely one. One side of Jackson's Hole to the other, all of, and we'd be uh, away from going after gophers with our slingshots to heading uh, into town to uh, to be ready for the the Wild West shootout that they had there in the evenings, and uh, and the, the the guy that uh, we stayed with uh, was a, an outfitter there. I think his name was charlie peters and uh, he had a river uh rafting and hunting uh operation and uh, we would go on the river trips for a day two days and uh and we'd cut slices of meat off of the bear and the moose hanging down in the cellar and uh it was just it was a wonderful life and i like i said i uh, it's a great way for a boy to grow up. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> well, yep. uh, have you been to an apple seed?
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah, I got my badge. Yep, I got my reference badge. I've done that in Minot, North Dakota last January. I can't tell you the date, but yeah, did it up there. Wow.
1: And what about the apple seeds in Wyoming? Have you been to a Wyoming what? apple seed yet?
2: Uh, no, I haven't. They got any coming up up here? See, I don't have a computer, so I don't. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. Up uh, Wyoming.
1: I'll uh, let me see. I'll. Uh, so one of you guys in the chat room, because if I try and do it, I'm gonna I'm gonna stop talking. I'll start talking like a like a robot or something. One of you guys, uh, if you wouldn't mind, look at the of uh, events for Wyoming and post it in the chat room. And uh, while uh, uh, you said Mark, right? Yes, sir. Okay. While well, Mark is is listing, I'll read it. Uh, so you'll know where the next
2: one is. I used to do that at the beginning of the show, and yeah, uh, it was always interesting because you could kind of tell what was going on. And, yeah. Yeah.
1: But you yeah, guys, I, have, I haven't done it to, in a while. You but you cover uh, a
2: lot. You cover a lot of ground in the next hour and a half or so. Yeah. Right. Pretty interesting. <laughs> well, in. hey, if one of you guys will check it, then I'll I'll read it off to you. What do you, what is it? You got my number there in front of you. What would be the chance of you calling me at the end of this show? Would that be way out line or no?
1: Yeah, I'll be glad yeah. to. Let me, let me write it
2: down, and uh,
1: yeah. and uh, I'll give you a call.
2: I just got a question. I don't want to mess up everybody's time. Other people got stuff to say. And, yeah. yeah if you well, I got that. no problem doing that, that.
1: and that, that goes for everybody. If anybody, wants, uh, if anybody ever wants me to, to give you a call or if you want to call me, uh you're always welcome to uh my cell number is two five four two one seven one three two five two five four two one seven one three two five and you, i'm always willing to uh to make myself available to speak to anybody at uh any time uh you'll probably uh you probably have a good chance of Catching me
3: uh,
1: uh, before 9 o'clock, you have a good chance of catching me. Uh, after 9 o'clock, I start going into the zombie mode, and, uh, <laughs> and usually I'm in bed by 9.30 or so, but but uh, I'll be more than happy to uh, to take anybody's calls, or if you want me to call, uh, call you, just send me a note, and I'll give you a call. All right, it says, uh, there's nothing in Wyoming for the rest of the year. Man, you got to be kidding me. Nothing in Wyoming for the rest of the year. Well, we gotta fix that. Mark, why don't you uh, why don't you find us a range there we can use, and we'll set one up and we'll bring a crew up and have a shoot there in Wyoming.
2: Yeah, I know that. I'll I've talk.
1: I'll talk to you more about to... that when I give you the call.
2: That'll work. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna waste your time, but thank you. Appreciate that.
1: Well, it's never a waste of time. Uh, whenever I talk to you uh, on the phone, we'll. Uh, We'll try and figure out a range we can use. We can get a hold of there and we'll bring a crew in. I don't remember who the the Wyoming uh state coordinator is. I believe it used to be uh, uh I can't like I'm horrible at remembering names a lot of times. Anyway, I'll uh, uh I'll give you a call and we'll talk to you about that. Uh, and uh if you want to give a shout out to anybody, or if you want to to say thanks to the uh, North Dakota crew, you're welcome to do that. Or if you got anything else you want to to put out, uh, go ahead. No, I just I think
2: that kid's name that did that up there was Jonathan. I can't think of what his name, what his helper's name was. But those guys did an excellent job, and they had a hell of a good indoor range. There's no way we could do it outside up there. Um, it was cool. an indoor range. Oh yeah. Well, that's that's pretty awesome, good then, because awesome that means they can you guys can do it in uh, the dead of winter. Oh yeah, awesome, awesome indoor range. Them guys had. Unbelievable. How many how yeah. many spaces were there? Do you remember? Oh, <laughs> just just guessing, thinking probably sixteen or maybe twenty.
1: That's pretty good. We got, that and,
2: uh,
1: we got an indoor range and we got an indoor range and. El Paso, and uh, it's at the law enforcement center there. I think it's got uh, 12 or 14 positions. But still, that's that's a good number because, oh,
2: yeah.
1: uh, you know, it's, in West Texas, it gets awfully toasty, but uh, you're able to shoot in a nice climate-controlled uh, uh, venue, and uh, we really appreciate the folks at the law enforcement center there in uh, El Paso uh letting us use that. Well uh thank you for calling in and thanks for for, for talking even though you were just listening and I'll give you a call right yeah. after the show, okay? Okay, thank you. Appreciate this. Thanks. Alright, I'm not gonna hang up on you. I'm just gonna put you back in no, the uh no, that's fine. in the, the caller. Alright. All right. All right. And thanks, Mark. You bet. Thank you. Uh, all right, well we'll see if we can get uh uh if we can get uh Something in Wyoming Before the end of the year uh, I know that Wyoming <coughs> Sorry, pardon me I know that Wyoming is Is one of those states It's kind of a hard state To To work with There are several like that But uh, but even though it's hard uh, uh, I Personally I would love to I'd love to Put together a crew and go up there for a shoot. Uh, so, so I'm going to do my best to uh, to try to do that. Yes, uh, Fuber Colonial Shooter. That's right. And I don't remember if he's still the uh, the state coordinator or not. But uh, Colonial Shooter, he's a he's a great guy. Uh, all right. So, uh, uh, prep time. Uh, I think we kind of covered that. Uh, that uh, as a shooter, you want to make full use of your prep time uh, to make sure you got everything ready. That you're rehearsing the particular course of fire that you're in. If you're in, I mean, the particular, particular stage of fire that you're in. If you're in stage one, you're going to rehearse. Uh, you're going to get yourself into position, find your natural point of aim. And you're not going to keep your feet from being happy feet. You're going to keep them locked down in position. You have know, your mag in your pocket. You're hearing and Eye protection on. You'll be ready to go. You'll rehearse how you're going to shoot the stage, and then you're going to wait for the line boss to get into his line commands, and you're going to be prepared. You're going to have your your uh, uh, respiratory cycle, your firing cycle, matched up to the line commands, so that whenever he gives the fire command, your front sight is just crossed into the, the the black of the silhouette, and you're ready to take the shot. Uh, the instructors are going to be watching the shooters, making sure that they are using their prep time for whatever they whatever they need to use it for. If it's a rifle adjustment, fine, a swing adjustment, a sighting adjustment, uh, whatever they need. Uh, just make sure that they are not uh, dozing off or just sitting there doing nothing. All right. And if they are, and if you if you remind them what the prep time is for, and they don't use it. Then uh, you have no control over that, <clears throat> but uh, but it is your duty to make sure that they are uh, that you've informed them what their prep time is for and and for them to be using it. All right. Uh, now I want to talk to you about uh, dry firing and. Uh I've saved this for the end because uh, the because dry firing is one of the most important things that uh you're going to do as a shooter uh, <clears throat> the difference between uh shooting through rifle standards and uh and shooting in the the one eighty range. Uh, can be eliminated by dry firing. Now, uh, the way that, uh, from my perspective, from my experience, uh, all the real work that you do in shooting, uh, everything that you do in shooting can be accomplished, can be practiced and rehearsed by dry firing. Uh, The only thing... That you should be doing when you go to the range to shoot is verifying that the skills and techniques that you worked on during your dry firing, uh, game, that, uh, they produce the effects that are needed when you actually fire live ammunition, when you're actually at the range shooting. <clears throat> this extends to, to every part of, uh, of firing your rifle and it covers everything uh from shooting in the standing position to shooting in the seated and prone. The way that you the way that you ensure uh because dry firing isn't just about your trigger squeeze. Dry firing is about your whole game, your whole shooting game. And the way that you do it, the way that you run this is especially for your stage two and and prone, uh, even for your standing, but especially for your stage two and prone, uh, there's a lot of folks that have difficulty with the seated, seated, or, uh, seated to kneeling position, right? And the only way you're going to work that out is by rehearsing it, by doing it.
2: And we don't give you a whole
1: lot of time to rehearse it at the apple seat. So where are you going to do it? And the answer is you're going to have to do it at home. You're going to have to do it uh, as part of your dry fire program. When I first uh, started shooting at, uh, at in Appleseed, I was at uh, Ramsar at the, uh, the RBC there. And uh, I remember when I first got into the seated position, it was terrible. It was absolutely horrific. I've got uh, uh, five broken vertebrae and
0: uh and
1: seated was one of the positions that really aggravated those injuries and uh the first I guess the first two or three days of it when I got to the seated position, the correct seated position uh the very first time anyway i just I just fired eight rounds until the end block popped out of the rifle, and that was it, and I got out of that position. And I wasn't really that interested in where the rounds hit because the the position was so painful that uh, that it was overriding everything else, and uh, and so there was no way around it other than to practice it. Now, by the end of the uh, the eight days, I was able to get into a. Uh, sustainable, repeatable position, which is all we ask, right? Any of the positions that we use at AppSeed, none of them are going to be comfortable, and you make sure that you don't tell attendees that either. You want to ask them to get in a good, comfortable, seated position, because there is no good, comfortable, seated position. So what they'll do is they'll keep looking for it. They they say, well, I'm, uh, I'm in some discomfort, so I must be doing it wrong. When the reverse is usually true. If it's painful, it's probably close to being correct. <clears throat> so I just kept doing it over and over until at the end. It wasn't, it still was not, it, it was still very painful to be in the seated position for me, but I was able to repeat that position. I was able to sustain it while I was in it, which is all you really need to do. Now, in the months following that, the way that I did it is I practiced it. When I got home, before I, got there, before I went to bed, uh, even without my rifle, I would just get down into the seated position, and I would stay there for five or ten seconds. All right? And that's all it took. And that's it. And that way, i do it one time. All right? And you don't, you don't want to make this a painful thing. You want to make it something that you can do and be done with it and then move on. Get down into the seated position. Then get down into the prone. The problem with another position that it was... Because of the arch that you had to put into your back, it was not a uh, comfortable position for me either. So I'd get down into the seated position, get into it, count to five, get out. Get into the prone position, count to five, get out. All right? Once seated, once for the prone. And the next night, I would do the same thing. Now, you keep doing this, and after you've done it uh, for a week or two weeks, then Pretty soon, if you're no longer, uh, your eyes aren't watering after five seconds. And uh, you keep doing it until uh, you can sustain it. And then, even after that, even after you're able to sustain it, then you keep doing it so that you can refine it. You refine it. <clears throat> And then, as you once you've refined it, now you're doing it to commit it to muscle memory. That means that when you get down into the seated position with your rifle, you don't have to say, uh, "Is this right?" or uh, "Does this? Am I in the right position?" Because when you get down into that position, everything is going to line up according to your muscle memory. I know when I get down into the seated position, I know. Where I should my body knows I don't know my body knows where i where I should feel the pressure from my elbows uh where I should uh have my thumb. I know that in the seated when I get down to that position, I know that my thumb touches my face at the right above the corner of the lip uh I know that that's where it goes when I get into position, I know where my thumb goes for my cheek well, I know where my elbows touch, I know where I feel the pressure from my one leg on top of the other. I know how it feels where my my butt touches the ground. I know how it feels to lift up and do a a position shift, a natural point of aim position shift. I don't have to, to wonder if I'm in the right place or I wonder how I'm getting down. I know how to get down. I know how it feels when I'm in position. I also know how to get down without thinking about it. I know how to get down as far as my orientation in relation to the target. Whenever I'm looking at the target, I look at the target, I know how much I need to move to my strong side in order to be in the right position when my butt hits the ground, right? I know this from muscle memory, and I don't have to think about it. I look at the target, I automatically take a shift forward uh, with my left foot and begin my uh, uh, my move down into the seated Uh and if you keep doing it, you can get strong enough. Your muscles uh, can get strong enough so that you can do it without uh, putting a hand down to steady it. You can just sit down into that position. <clears throat> and uh, I also know that because, uh, because I'm going to be in a seated position and because I've got a, a belly full of guts, Uh, I know that that is going to be pushed upward into my diaphragm. That means I'm going to have a smaller diaphragm. That means I'm going to be able to take in less air uh, in my breathing cycle when I'm in a seated position. So what I do is when I'm in my prep, when I'm working on this, when I'm in my prep, before uh, before I'm doing my seated, I know that I'm doing what I call uh, full breathing or over-breathing. That means I'm breathing. I take uh, four, five, six, seven breaths. In, uh, in a style that is right below hyperventilation, right? Uh, I'm not. I'm telling you that right below the point where you start seeing the twirlies at the corner of your eyes, I'm staying right below that. But what I'm doing is I'm taking in extra oxygen. I'm pushing extra oxygen into my blood so that my blood is oxygenated, oxygenated enough so that whenever I sit down and I don't have the ability to take full breaths, that I have that extra oxygen already uh, diffused into my blood. So I'm over-breathing in what uh, I would call my prep time when you're doing your practices, your dry fire practices. I'm over-breathing, so I'm pushing oxygen into my blood. So when I hit the ground and my uh, all of my my guts are pushed high up and I can't take a full breath, that I have extra oxygen to allow me to get through the 65 seconds in that course without. Uh, without struggling to find the air. This is all part of dry firing, okay? Dry firing isn't just a rifle, right? Because the rifle doesn't shoot itself. Uh, the uh, the person using it is going to manipulate the rifle. So the person using it uh, has to be good on all fronts, not just uh, the rifle, but all the physical aspects of it, of knowing uh, how to get into position and how to hit that position correctly, how to know how to be in that position without having to shift back and forth and fumbling back and forth, trying to find the right position uh, for you to begin your course of fire to begin shooting, all right? Then, once I've done that, and, I'm, and now I'm using my rifle too, then I, I'll i pick something uh, like on the wall. And usually, if I'm in the prone position, it will be like a wall plug or something like that, because it's close to the same position. Uh, or if not, I'm, I can stif- stick a little tab on the wall anywhere. A little uh, the uh, paper target pasters. I can put those on the wall anywhere. So I get down into my position. I bring the rifle onto the target, and I squeeze the trigger until the trigger breaks, and then I repeat. <clears throat> All right. Now you have to uh, make a solemn promise, a solemn a solemn swear that you are being extra, extra, extra safe. When you're doing this, I think some of the, I think some of the folks that uh, that are uh, firearms instructors even make you it's like sign some kind of a uh, some kind of a waiver or something where you swear that you will not even have ammunition in the room or you're dry firing. All right, uh, and I don't know if that's overkill or not because because popping off around inside your house or your apartment or something like that can definitely be very very nasty and bad news for you. All right? So, this is something not to be taken lightly. Don't do your dry firing in a cavalier fashion, all right? And it's, you will handle your rifle the same way you'll do it at an apple seat. You'll open the chamber, you'll visually inspect the chamber to ensure that there is no there's not a cartridge in the chamber, that there's no magazine in the chamber that uh, there is no ammunition anywhere around you. If you're going to be putting magazines in, you're going to look at every single magazine, and you're going to ensure that every magazine that you have in that room with you at that time within your reach is one that is empty. You're going to be absolutely 1,000% on top of your game, ensuring that you have a safe rifle, all right, because there's no two overs in... uh, firearms, accidents. There's no do-overs once you squeeze the trigger and you sit around downrange. That's it. You have no control over it after that, and whatever you do is permanent. You're going to be 1,000% safe during your dry firing. Don't ever just grab a rifle uh, or whatever you're using. Don't ever grab it and decide you're going to dry fire just by grabbing it and squeezing the trigger because you... Uh you you remember yesterday you uh, took the mag out and you know you uh you cleared the rifle and put it down. Right? <clears throat> because that's no different than uh than clearing a uh, a line at Appleseed, then letting everybody go down and get into the prep with their rifles, uh and then uh and then stopping right there and going downrange. Right? Would you do that? No, you wouldn't. You don't know what they did. You know you don't know if one of them put a magazine in and uh and shimmer around. You don't know that. So every time you get ready to uh to do a dry fire, you make sure that uh the rifle is cleared and safe. <clears throat> okay, so you're going to <clears throat> get down into your position. Your muscle memory is going to tell you that your position is correct. Uh, your muscle memory and your body memory, your subconscious is going to tell you that you've oriented yourself to the target correctly before you got into position. You're going to uh, determine your natural point of aim. And if you're off, you're going to shift it onto the target. Once you've shifted it onto the target and verified that it is your natural point of aim, you're going to execute the shot by the six steps. And then you're going to squeeze the trigger until the trigger breaks, you're going to observe uh, any movement in the sights or anywhere of your rifle or anything else, and you're going to call the shot. And I'm telling you, every round that you fire in this fashion is worth 10 rounds of actual live ammunition. Every dry-fire round you use is worth 10 rounds of live ammunition, Uh and I'm also going to tell you that every 100 rounds you uh, dry fire between one apple seed and the next, if you're going in 30 days, every 100 rounds you dry fire is going to raise your score by two to three points. Every 100 rounds you dry fire is going to raise your HT score by two to three points. Guaranteed. <clears throat> you know what that means, right? That means if you do a 1,000, dry fires, you raised your AQT score by thirty points. A thousand dry fires done correctly is going to raise your AQT score by thirty points. I guarantee this, alright? <coughs> dry firing is the difference between being a marksman or a cook and being a rifleman. It's it's absolutely important. And I use it to I, I, I use it not just on my rifle firing, but uh, uh, I carry a, uh, I carry a pistol every single day. It's in a holster uh, on my hip, and uh, in the course of the day, uh, I'll take time out during the day to take the pistol. And if I'm at the range, I'll uh, I'll leave it loaded and I'll actually fire uh, if I'm. Uh, If I'm not, I'll pop the mag out, I'll uh, work the action on the pistol, I'll open it up, eject the round, look into the chamber, ensure that the chamber does not have a round in there, close it back up, put it back in the holster, and then I'll begin my draws. And I'll do it over and over. Uh, Because that's the only way for you to learn how to commit some action to muscle memory. And the only way you're going to do something correctly uh under stress, and the stress can either be uh the stress that occurs th- during a timed event like stage two and stage three or, or stage one or any other of the stages in apple C uh all the way to the stress of some uh some dangerous situation. the only way that you're going to react uh or perform a physical uh action. The way it's supposed to be performed is by muscle memory, and the only way you're going to get muscle memory is by doing it over and over and over again. Right? The dry frame techniques also extend to doing magazine changes. Uh, the way to to get uh, to perform a clean magazine change is to practice the magazine change. Uh, over and over. That means that uh, you'll need to. For me, uh, I will sit in my chair and uh, and watching TV. I'll sit there without looking down at the rifle. I'll sit there. Now I have to do this now when uh, I'm by myself because uh, I kind of wore my wife out on it. Uh because for me I can watch the I can watch it a, a, the television and I don't even hear the magazine the you know, the the sounds, the mechanical sounds it makes. But uh if she's in the room with me she just looks at me and she gives me the the look of really, really, you're gonna do this during the, the show? So I, I do it when I'm alone but I'll sit there I'll have two uh magazines
2: and they'll be the only
1: two I have with me in the room. I've ensured that both of them uh are cleared magazines, they're empty and that the rifle is empty.
0: And I won't even
1: be dry turned. I'll just be sitting there with the the rifle held in about the same position as I'll be in uh in uh, you know when I'm doing a magazine change and I'll put the one magazine in, lock it into place. Then I'll reach up and I'll take it out set it down, pick up the other magazine, put it in. And I'll just keep doing it over and over and over. That way, whenever you're and I do this with all the different my holes and pistols that I have. <clears throat> that way when you're when you have to do it under the stress of time constraints or under the stress, any any type of stress that you that you see, <clears throat> it is committed to your muscle memory. Your your body knows what it's going to do. And you don't have to think about it. And the less thinking you have to do in stressful situations, the better. Uh, and and it, it seems that you're thinking, well, you know, a mag chain, you know, how, how difficult is that? You put one in, you take the other one out. Well, you're right, but there's all kinds of things that can go wrong. And I'm also teaching myself to touch the magazine. Whatever magazine I'm using, I'm teaching myself to touch it. When I touch it in my hand, I know how it's oriented. I know uh, just by the touch of it. I know which way it's oriented, which is very important uh, because uh, I don't know very many magazines that will go that will actually lock into place a long way. But regardless of whether they'll lock into place or not, you're gonna have to take it back out and reverse it uh, in order to get the round in the chamber. That takes a lot of time. Uh, that means you may not finish the uh, the course of fire you're in. Or it may mean that while you're fumbling around trying to get the magazine change, the get the bad guy puts a pill in you. All right. So making sure that during your dry fire, if you're incorporating uh, magazine changes into your rehearsal is very important. Okay. Uh, I guess that's uh I guess that is about it for the uh for the for the dry firing. I can't think of uh of anything else. Let's see, yeah. I see in the uh in the chat room the old guy said that they, are you say are you talking about the uh like the mag and stuff being gamesmanship. Is that what you're talking about or I'm not sure what uh I'm not sure I'm looking to see what if it connects to anything else. Anyway, like I said, I don't think I don't consider uh uh the placement of mags during your prep period and stuff like that, rehearsing it and the placement of mags and uh, <laughs> and everything else to be uh to be gaming. Uh, gaming the AQT or anything like that because, like I said, it doesn't matter what uh, what particular uh, event or what particular thing you're engaged in. If you have the time to prepare, then that's what you want to do. You want to prepare, you want to practice and rehearse what it is regardless of what it is. If I go to the uh, if I go set up in a gear blind and while I'm get, well, as soon as I get to the blind, I'm I trying not to make any noise, but I will Uh, Go through making the movement from one shooting window to the next. I'll I'll actually physically rehearse it. I'm gonna go from here, and I'll move this much backwards, and I make sure that there's nothing behind me I'm gonna bump into, and I I uh, will go through the motion so that I'll know what it takes to move from facing from the east to look out the west window to make a shot out the west window and how many counts it takes to go from kneeling in the east to kneeling out in the west. I'll do that a couple of times to try it, just to see what I'm going to have to do in order to make it to that position. Because If if there's a pebble uh, down on the floor of the blind, there's a pebble the size of even just a pea, and it's going to be right where I put my knee down to make the shot on the west side when I change. I'm going to make sure that there is nothing there that My knee is going to go down onto, if you ever ever knelt on a pea sized rock uh sit on a board then then you haven't experienced the pleasure that can bring you, so wherever I'm at, I'll rehearse what i'm gonna do uh, when i'm uh, when I'm at home and nobody else is there, then uh I may very well rehearse going into my house. Uh, and clearing it from room to room uh because because there's uh there's always a chance I may have to do that I may have to go into my room- my house and clear it from room to room. I do that if I go to a hotel uh then I'll practice what I will do uh in uh, a certain situation if uh if somebody's banging on the door and they're yelling they're gonna shoot or whatever then i i I look around for the best place to have cover and be out of the line of fire, and I practice what I'm going to do to get to that position, et cetera. <clears throat> I'm not talking about being, uh, uh, I don't know, like a, uh, a fanatic uh, or anything like that, but I'm just saying that, that preparing yourself, rehearsing and practicing what you're going to do for whatever uh, situation you're in, is a good thing, all right? Uh, you know, the uh an ounce of preparation is worth a pound of cure thing. So, make sure that, uh, make sure that during the prep time, you are uh, using it for prep. Now, we started off with, uh, uh, we started off with talking targets. We went over that uh, to make sure that the uh, <clears throat> making sure that the instructors and the attendees both understand uh, the reason that uh, that you're going to go down to the target, and uh, and that from that day on that uh, they should never go downrange to the target without coming back with the data from the target and then applying that data to the next shot. All right. So you as an instructor should be watching what they're doing on the line and then comparing that uh, to the impact of their round-down range. You'll look at, see what their body's doing, their position, their breathing, whatever. Look at all of that. You go down in range, look at the target, and see what effect that uh, that whatever they're doing had on the impact of their round-down range. And then making sure that they understand that they're going to have to be doing the same thing. Uh, every time they, they take a shot, uh, they need to... Uh, every time they go down range they're going to need to apply what they did, how it felt when they made the shot to what happened uh, to the effect that it had on the rounds down range. Uh, The ball and dummy Uh, we talked about how important that is and how to uh, like I said, you can put it anywhere you want uh, in your show. I, I try and put it at the beginning because I'm not just using it to uh, to try and discern uh, and correct the problems that they're having. Although that's a great place to try and figure that out. You got folks that are that are bucking and jerking and flinching and and everything else. Better to to figure it out as soon as possible and get them to see it and to work on fixing it now, than to wait until uh, wait until they've they've kept those uh, improper techniques uh and use them all the way till Sunday, so I try and get it uh, get it done uh, as soon as possible and uh make sure that you it's not just for you to see what they're doing it's for them to learn how to do ball and dummy so they can do it on uh on their own trips to the range
2: uh and we
1: talked about the prep and about dry firing. As I said, dry firing is uh it's one of the most important things you're gonna do. Uh, <clears throat> most important things you're gonna do uh as a shooter in order to improve your skills and techniques. I'm looking at the chat room and I'm seeing that uh that the California folks are having a uh, looks like they're having a conference call. It says be sure to call in. It starts in five minutes, apparently at uh nine eight seven. Or probably- apparently at seven o'clock California time, you guys are having a conference call. So whatever you need to do, check the California board, etc. to uh uh to find out the information and do that so you can be in on it. Uh Tools is asking if uh and uh, on September 15th, we're going to have a uh, an actual distance shoot for Texas instructors here at the villa. And uh, he's being asked if they'll be allowed to drive from the 25 yard range to the KD range. Oh my gosh, Roger, that's that, that, that's it. We're we're gonna make you guys uh, double time. Uh, I'm sure that we'll we'll work something out for that. Uh, we'll either. Uh, Bring all your gear, or we'll set up a parking place or something for it and if you guys have any questions about the Katie shoot on september fifteenth uh please let me know all right uh, guys, that's gonna do it for tonight. uh be sure and tune in this uh this next thursday seven p m central and uh and we'll see you again. thanks again to everybody for tuning in tonight. thanks for the folks that called in and uh and we'll see you next Thursday seven. Central Time. All right. Good night, and God bless everyone.